When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence. On the Coyote Sports Network, from Learfield, this is the Yokecast, the official podcast of the University of South Dakota Athletics, taking you inside the stories of Coyote athletes, coaches, administrators, and more. Now, here's your host, John Thayer. Hey, what's up? It's another week, and you know what that means? It's another edition of Yotecast. Welcome to it. It's great to have you. I'm excited for this episode. We had a shorter one last week. Obviously, part of the reason was because South Dakota was not playing a football game on Saturday. We changed everything this week. We've got a big episode coming up this week, and a couple of them going to set you up for the USDSDSU matchup on Saturday. And we'll also celebrate Title IX uh, this week as well with Leah Drengenberg. You may remember her as a former triathlete at the University of South Dakota, and uh, we, we had a chance to catch up about just triathlon growing as an emerging sport, and part of the reason for that is because of Title IX, and that's part of the reason USD uh, added triathlon was to con- keep in compliance with uh, Title IX. So we'll talk to her about being kind of in the building blocks of uh, South Dakota, or uh, USD triathlon and what what it meant to her, you know, to get that opportunity. So we definitely talk about that. We'll have that show uh, that uh, conversation coming up here in just a little bit. Also coming up in the show today, Josh Manchigaya was on the wrong end of a Hail Mary last year. Now he's on the team wearing red. And he'll talk about uh, just kind of the emotions this week as he prepares to take on his former team and some of his friends that uh, he obviously spent some time in that program and uh, was would made friends at uh, South Dakota State. And so we'll talk about that with Josh Manchigaya. And uh, we'll talk to Tyler Merriam, the play-by-play voice of South Dakota State. Get a good preview of the Jackrabbits, what you can expect out of SDSU. Coming up on Saturday, South Dakota football team will participate in what is called College Football Mental Health Week. And I know you've seen some things about this. It was created by Helsinki's Hope. 
Hilsinki's Hope is a foundation dedicated to honoring the life of Tyler Hilsinki, who is a former Washington State quarterback that lost his life to suicide. Their mission is the following. Hilsinki's Hope Foundation is a nonprofit organization formed to promote awareness and education of mental health and wellness of student-athletes. The foundation's mission is to educate, advocate, and eliminate the stigma associated with mental illness while funding programs to provide student-athletes with tools and resources to, that support their mental health and wellness. There are over 100 colleges and universities that are participating in this week's effort, and South Dakota is one of those. So what you'll notice on Saturday is USD will be wearing green ribbon decals on their helmets. Um, those are given to the school by Helsinki's Hope Foundation to help raise awareness and start conversations. Um, the staff will be wearing green ribbon pins to support the cause. Football staff and players have black and red wristbands that say Helsinki's Hope as well. Um, and other teams on campus, soccer, volleyball, uh, they'll also be wearing them in, in support this week as well. And you may have seen earlier this week, Brendan Webb, a USD football player, he shared his story, spoke out about the importance of mental health awareness. Um, and so that was posted earlier this week. So if you haven't seen it, um, certainly do encourage you to go watch that video of Brendan Webb. And then after the first play of the third quarter, uh, you'll see USD's football team raise three fingers up in the air, and that is a way to sh help show solidarity for those struggling with uh, mental health and illness. So I certainly encourage you to, to participate if, if you want all week. Uh, start the conversation, check on your people certainly, and um, let's continue to take strides if, with uh, mental health and help the people that, uh, that we're close to and that we care about. Uh, certainly every little bit uh, helps more than you probably um, know and understand. All right, so we've got a lot to get to in the podcast. We've got Tyler Merriam previewing SDSU, Josh Manchigaya talking about the emotions of going back to uh, Brookings, where he spent the majority of his football career. Leah Drengenberg will join us, and she will talk about triathlon as an emerging sport and how Title IX has impacted that. But let's start, as we always do, with David Herbster, the athletic director at the University of South Dakota. We had a chance to talk about um, Mental Health Awareness Week. It's pertaining to football a lot this week, but mental health awareness and what USD is doing to continue to support its student-athletes. David, the volleyball team coming off of a big win over South Dakota State. It followed up a tough loss for them at North Dakota State on Tuesday, but a great win to see volleyball get back on it and continue their success against SDSU. I know Leanne hates talking about this, but they've won 15 straight against SDSU in volleyball, and I believe it's 24-2 and two at the Division One level against South Dakota State. That's pretty incredible. That is really incredible, and it's, it's just been a, a, a kind of a model of consistency for them. You know, at some point in time, in, in rivalries or in series with teams, things kind of ebb and flow, so we just happen to be riding the high right now, but it's, it, it's, it's a testament to the quality of the program and what Leanne has done here. Um, it, it's tough to maintain that level for that significant amount of time, but she's been able to do it. So uh, certainly we love those wins. It's a showdown series point. Uh, we always know when uh, it's a donut day the next uh, the next day, whoever beats South Dakota State, you know, that following work day, uh, it's donuts for the athletic department. So they kind of really like that as well. Just Again, it's, it's just having fun with the, the overall rivalry, right? And uh, But again, a big win, five-set win on the road. That comes after a tough five-set loss at North Dakota State, which um, is a tough one. It's always been a battle with North Dakota State uh, back and forth. Uh, but again, the way volleyball works, North Dakota 
Dakota State comes down here and we could beat them three nothing. I mean, that's just kind of the the the. The, the nature of kind of that sport a little bit. Uh, and Leanne would probably admit that they didn't play their best volleyball, but that also means North Dakota State did. Um, but being able to go and beat um, South Dakota State up in Brookings, who, and South Dakota State's a much, much improved volleyball program. And so it's going to continue to get uh, uh, to be tough. Uh, and you can certainly imagine that, uh, certainly in the state, they're the ones chasing us. And, and, and so it's, you're going to have to find ways to continue to improve if you want to continue that streak in that series. Yeah, well, it was great to see them get a win, and that that followed that Tuesday loss. How about the Tuesday volleyball matches? It's kind of a a different day. It's it's not a normal routine for the schedule, but even later in the year, the volleyball team will have to go to Grand Forks mm-hmm. uh, on a Tuesday. It's kind of an odd deal in the schedule. Oh, uh, don't get me don't get me talking. About the two <laughs> things you want to get me wound up. Let's talk about scheduling, and let's talk about officiating. <laughs> um, the, here's and we had to have some midweek games um, this year in order for the for the summit league teams to be able to have four weekends on the front end to do tournaments and to do the uh, ba- uh, the the summit league tournament when we did the only way to get the sheer amount of games in in the middle of all that and have everybody play everybody twice is to play several midweek games in the middle of there uh, for the most part i think we might have two or three midweek games you try to pair it with so it makes sense from a travel perspective usually it does sometimes it doesn't but again what you're also doing in that stretch is you're playing three matches in five days which if traveling between there can make that a little bit tougher but we've also seen our teams play three matches in two days so uh, it, it, it's going to get you prepared and get you ready for the, the post you know the summit league tournament at the end of the season but uh, we'll have a couple more of those uh, just kind of sprinkled in the good thing is it's not a it's not a weekly kind of schedule for him. Yeah, and uh, well, we'll see. Uh, you know how things bounce back. They're back on the road this week. They go to St. Thomas in the Western Illinois. Um, this past weekend, soccer was home, and uh, they battled to a draw with Omaha. Scored late to get that mm-hmm. draw, and then scored a couple of goals on Denver. Unfortunately, gave up four and, and lost to Denver, who's really, really good in in soccer. But it's good to see the offense maybe starting to click. Three goals in their last two games. It really is, and and I think playing at home certainly helps. I mean, beating Omaha, uh, I thought. That was you look at Omaha, Denver, SDSU, and us are the top four teams I would say in the league. And then you know to to be able to tie South Dakota State last week, tie Omaha, and then you know lose to Denver. I think that's those are the top four teams in the league. So now we have to take care of business the rest of the way. But um, you know the Denver match on Sunday was two two at half and played really well. Again, soccer is one of those that if you flinch, if you blink for you know very long, two goals can go in pretty quick, and it's, it's such a small margin for. Uh, but you're right, Denver's a really quality, high-caliber soccer program. So um, now, you know, we got, again, those games are done. They're gone. Uh, focus the attention on the next ones up and then really look at the home stretch and with the eye on um, Summit League Tournament and getting into the Summit League Tournament. Football had a week off this past weekend, but now it's to the uh, Showdown Series rivalry. They head to Brookings to take on South Dakota State. Do you realize how long it's been since football has made the trip to Brookings? It's been a while. Uh, so what would that be, 2018? I think so, yeah. I think it was 2018. I, that, that was a cold day. I, if I'm not mistaken, the bottoms of my it's feet. It's always a cold day there. The bottoms of my feet were <laughs> numb after that game. I think was that. The, I think believe that was the game where there was ice on the field. Uh, they tried the, as best they could to get the ice off, but you couldn't. Um, so no, it'll be good to get back up there uh, just to play, get back, uh, 
playing again, but it's a you know it's a Missouri Valley foe. It's a number two team in the country. Um, the uh, of course you know so many of the players know each other, so there's bragging rights involved for them. Um, they know a lot of those guys. They know a lot of our guys, and of course for our fans as well. And we want to beat them too. But um, you look at a game like that, and you want both teams to play well. You want both teams to come out healthy, uh, and you want a really really good battle. And for us, uh, we want to make two fewer mistakes uh, and come out on top. It'd be nice to be able to to take them three in a row um, to win three in a row in that series. But it's going to take a, a pretty uh, it's going to take a big effort really on either side to win the to win the matchup because it's always been a, that game's been a tough game. You can always just throw the records out, throw the rankings out the window on that game. Uh, let's you know kind of come to center field, touch gloves, and let's go at it. And I think that's what you're going to see on Saturday. You know, people have asked me, they're like, well. That's kind of early for USD and SDSU to play in October. Usually it's a, it's been a November game. That's usually where you think of rivalry type of matchups. Uh, how does the scheduling work out uh, to, to have this game in October where maybe the weather's a little bit better in Brookings, South Dakota for an outdoor football game in October? Yeah, you'd probably have to ask them. Um, I think what they found uh, was that putting it at the end of the year really didn't do anything for attendance. I mean, the idea to, to put those games at the end of the year was to – not only from an attendance perspective, regardless of how the season went, uh, but to finish the season with the rivalry kind of sits in there with all the major program rivalry games. Um, it will be, I, I can say this, they, they gave up the date, they gave up preserving their last home date of the, of the year to play us. And so, uh, but in doing that, uh, the schedule's kind of been turned upside down the last several, four or five years uh, when we introduced North Dakota into the league and now you introduce Murray State into the league. So the schedule's been turned upside down uh, quite a bit. And so that's been a challenge just to get all these games in and the d- different rotations and the different iterations of schedules that we've had so it will going forward and you know looking ahead i don't think we play um at the end of the year up in brookings at all i'd have to go back in and double check that i think that's still been our goal is to do that though we it hasn't been um i think we have at least one year where our last home game in a year where we play south dakota state it's not south dakota state um but when they've had to redo the schedule as much as they've done it was hard to maintain that yeah no doubt scheduling continues to be a difficult <laughs> oh, yeah, challenge for a lot of people uh but we uh we fight through it and you play it how uh, how the schedules come out something uh that, that'll be going on this week during the football game fans might notice there'll be some some green ribbons there'll be some maybe helmet decals things like that it is um college football mental health awareness week and it all coincides with um world mental health day which mm-hmm. is october 10th and and you'll see football programs around the country uh, showing support of this for for this week's games it's kind of a, a nationwide effort if you will around college mm-hmm. football South Dakota has chosen to participate in this. I know mental health has been something that has been at the forefront of a lot of things, specifically coming off of that that COVID year which was very difficult for a lot of people. So it's good to see USD uh, being a part, taking part of something like this. What is USD doing right now, you know, as you work with with student-athletes and try to continue to make strides in mental health and mental health awareness? Um, Boy, that's that's a huge question. It doesn't seem like it is, but it really is because I think the challenges that we're facing right now that we're seeing in our youth – are extreme and they're coming at us in such numbers that there's not enough healthcare professionals to, to meet all the demand that's out there right now. So what we've done is uh, both on is 
our partnerships on campus and our partnerships with Sanford, and then just really some education and awareness in initiatives, both that our student athletes are doing and that we're partnering with groups on campus. Um, we put all of our, right now, the, the first run through, we put all of our head coaches uh, through what's called a mental first aid certification program. Um, and, you know, we have a lot, most of our coaches, all of our head coaches and assistant coaches are first aid and CPR certified, but the mental health side's a little bit different. So they've all been through half-day training there. Uh, we partner with the Cook House on campus, which is our counseling services on campus, uh, both for referrals and for uh, a little more proactive programming. Um, we with the and one thing that we are doing with the cookhouse is they are have kind of starting what's called the rebound program, which is really a support group for athletes that are uh, have suffered uh, injuries or coming off of you know in the rehabilitation phase from a surgery. So uh, more of a support group uh, than anything. Uh, we've also partnered with Psychological Services Center on campus, and that's more of uh, partnering with the academic side of campus to make sure that our athletes have the opportunity to, to be able to have those types of conversations. Um, we've also partnered with the Counseling and School Psychology Services Center on campus um, as well. Again, it's, it's more opportunities for our student-athletes to be seen. Now, in some cases, it's part of a curriculum, so you're, you're kind of being seen by, let's say, a, uh, a graduate assistant overseen by faculty, but it's, it's opening up that door, and it's just, again, some of these are just starting the process. Um, there's... Campus has what's called the Therapy Assistant Online, which is TAU. It's more of an app uh, that the athletes can use to kind of walk through uh, what, is, what is it that they're feeling uh, and helps provide them some, some ways to manage what it is that they're feeling. And certainly the, through all of that is the opportunity to see someone live and in person. Not everybody's ready to see somebody in person right away. Um, there's also Athlete Talk, um, and now that's an app that's kind of uh, uh, conference-wide through the Summit League. It was developed by some faculty and some uh, at the Western Illinois, uh, very similar to Tau, uh, kind of goes through different types of programs, uh, valuations. But again, those are online. Uh, certainly in all of those, it provides an opportunity to see someone in person. And, and really, our, for our student-athletes and, and the conversations that we've had with them, it is more making sure they, they're honest, certainly with themselves, and can have those types of conversations, but also make sure that our athletic trainers and our head coaches are are, are able and educated to be able to spot some symptoms, some triggers, and some things that we can start our own process to start a referral program both within um, our athletic department on campus and with Sanford Health. The student-athletes themselves have kind of really started the, the Green Bandana Project, and that's really uh, more of a youth move uh, on a lot of both high school and college campuses. The Green Bandana Project uh, is really used there to create an awareness and, and be able to make sure that others know that there's a safe person or a safe place to talk to by having this green bandana and the green bandana for students, right? It would have, yep. would be around their backpack or things like that. So, uh, trying to do that more of a, a peer to peer element as well. So it's, it is pretty nebulous. And as, and, and me personally having this, you know, the, some mental health issues affect your own family. You realize that, um, you know, sometimes people seem like they're okay. They seem like they have it all together. They seem normal, but you really never know what's going on inside. And so uh, when you can seek help and when you can have those types of conversations and when you can bring this to the forefront, which I'm glad people are talking about, in some cases, people might have been, you know, they might be dealing something for maybe two months. Maybe it's two years, 
could be two decades. You just never know uh, where somebody's really at. But making sure that we provide every resource and opportunity available for them to know that you're not alone. Because um, I don't think there's anything probably more um, isolating or more um, feel like there's absolutely no hope when your your only option is you think is to not wake up the next morning. And so that's where we got to get people to know that, no, there are people that care. There are people that that want to help <clears throat> that want to help you. It's kind of like coyotes help coyotes, but it's people should be helping people and just making sure that you'd be surprised what you can get or the resources that might be available if you just ask and you feel comfortable to ask. But that's a challenge when you're dealing with with some of the with issues. Yeah. Well, I know it's a very complex situation uh, for a lot of people. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, we just got to get back to to, like you said, people loving people, and uh, you get back to a, a world where yeah. you know you can you can just slap somebody on the back and and know right. that everybody's going to be okay. You know, there's that scene in um, um, a movie with Will Ferrell. Uh, it, it was the basketball movie. Um, Remember, you oh, know, yeah, yeah. Jackie, Jackie Moon. Jackie Moon, yeah. Tell me, the, what's the name of the movie? Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm drawing a blank, too. I'm going to get – but, again, he yells at everybody in the back of the bus at one point in time when everybody's just arguing and just kind of on each other's nerves and edges, and, and he just yells at them, everybody love everybody. Now, it's not that simple. Um, semi-pro, thank semi. you. I knew it was going to come eventually, <laughs> the movie Semi-Pro. But, but, but you're right. To your point, that's what it is. We've got to get to that point where people understand that we're here to help them, not here to tear them down. And, unfortunately, I think what people – see now uh, so much on television or the rhetoric that is heard is, is people just trying to tear people down. But why would I want to make myself vulnerable to anybody and kind of let them know that I have a problem when all I'm seeing on TV or on social media is people tearing people down? We need to turn. We need to flip the script on that and start building people back up again. Yeah, no doubt about it. And we'll continue to make strides. I know it's a, a, a thing that we continue to work on, just everybody involved, and, and uh, hopefully we'll continue to make strides in the right direction. All right, let's get to Ask the AD. Had uh, a couple of submissions this week. The first okay. one, what's up, Herbie? That was it? That was it. <laughs> that was hey, it. life is pretty good. You know, we're, we're rolling along. Um, no, I, I, you know, from a personal standpoint, I think things with the family are good. Um, here in the department again what we try to do is manage um kind of lead the lead the major efforts and manage kind of the day-to-day stuff if you will but uh i think with the first four or five six weeks of school being kicked off it's actually gone really well uh, we've got to um d days is coming up so that's always kind of the high point so we just kind of keep working it uh tr- not, not trudging along but you know I, I always tell people we get the opportunity to play a game and so that's kind of what we relish in so Hey, life's good. Go Yotes. Yeah, no doubt. Well, the next one's kind of a complex thing. We talked about it a little bit last week, uh, but it's have alcohol sales actually created a revenue increase? Is it requiring more staffing and expense, or is it too early to tell? A little too early to tell on both fronts. A lot of it is just getting uh, the numbers back from um, – Sodexo that we need to, you know, so we can kind of evaluate that. And really, after the first couple games uh, in football, um, yeah, there, there's been an increase in revenue. It's nothing that's going to balance our budget for us right now. Um, I do think that we need to, we still need to tweak some things, um, and we still need to look at what type, if we need more staffing, what do we need? Um, and then from an equipment or a infrastructure standpoint, are there other things that we need to look at investing in? I think 
the first two games will kind of lead us into what we'll experience over D-Days and then get a really good idea of where we're at. Um, but I, that's a great question. Let's hold on to that question for the end of the season um, so we can really kind of get a full season evaluation of it. Yeah, it'll be interesting uh, to get the numbers of football, volleyball, basketball, and just see right. how all of it comes together. Yeah, exactly. I mean, again, it's not going to be um, uh, a money bag you know, heaven for us, if you will, but it's it's, it's certainly going to help. But I think early on, as we look at these things, certainly twofold. One is is us kind of, um, you know, the the alcohol education awareness programs uh, to do, but it's certainly the revenue support scholarships. But we're also going to have to invest in ourselves to make sure that in doing it, we can in, in selling the alcohol that we can do it as efficiently and effectively as possible. Yeah, no doubt. Well, we'll continue to have that conversation and see where we're at. David, great stuff. Really appreciate uh, your time. Big week for football at South Dakota State. Yeah. So hopefully uh, things go well on Saturday. Thanks so much for the time. Absolutely. Thanks, John. Appreciate you, man. He's David Herbster, the athletic director at the University of South Dakota. We continue our celebration of 50 years of Title IX, which was enacted into law 50 years ago this year and has continued to help be the building blocks for women's sports and opportunities, not just in sports, but really women's opportunities around uh, colleges. And we continue to celebrate that as we talk this week with Leah Drengenberg, a former triathlete at the University of South Dakota. And triathlon, as you know, has been is fairly new to USD and fairly new to a lot of schools as it continues to grow here over the last uh, several years. Leah, first of all, how are you? How are things for you uh, since you left USD? I'm good. I'm kind of getting into the working world now as I um, apply to med school. And I think that like being an athlete has really helped me with that, um, getting those applications done and kind of pushing myself into the world of the big girl jobs and everything. So I've been really good. You keep grinding through the, uh, the the big girl jobs, as you call it, and, and through the world. How has how has your adjustment been from college life, just to kind of getting your you know your feet under you a little bit? Um, yeah, it was definitely I think tough at first um, to just kind of adjust from. I feel like in when you're a college athlete, you're told like where to be when and when to be there. Um, so having to kind of set that schedule for myself was probably the hardest thing for me and you know, still getting to work out and eat well and everything um, has definitely been a big change, but I think I'm getting the hang of it now. So, <laughs> Well, you definitely had to learn time management when you're a triathlete because you have essentially yes. three different <laughs> uh, events that you have to train for. And you look for at sure, your time, yeah. your time at USD and just with triathlon, when did you and how did you kind of get involved with triathlon? Yeah, so um, it actually started my freshman year of high school, so I was kind of late to the sport, Um, but I have swam since I was five years old, so that was kind of the start of it, I guess, Um, and then growing up, I would do like cross country starting in like fifth grade, and I was really, swimming was always my favorite, but when I really started getting into running, and I started getting better and better, and um, I would just bike like, like recreationally with my mom and stuff like that. But um, I really got into the scene of triathlon my freshman year of high school. My mom just reached out to this triathlon club that was actually in the suburbs of Chicago. So it was about an hour drive from where I actually lived. Um, but she just reached out to them and was like, my daughter is a good swimmer and runner. And, and I've heard about this club out there. Like, can we come out and try practice? And so I went and um, absolutely loved it, loved the people there, loved the coaches and teammates. Um, and so I just kind of stuck with it and it just, I just kept growing in the sport until um, 
I ended up started recruiting and recruited for a triathlon and the rest is history. So <laughs> the NCAA added triathlon as what they call an emerging sport in 2014. And for those who don't know, basically an emerging sport is, is kind of a, on a trial basis, if you will, until they can get enough support to make it a championship sport. At what point did you know, you know, if, if it gets added as an emerging sport in 2015, at what point did you know that maybe this could be an opportunity for you uh, you know, to, to do in college. Right. So it's kind of funny that I, I actually started triathlon right when NCAA was kind of making triathlon a thing. And so um, I kind of always thought like I was going to swim or run in college and maybe do triathlon on the side, which is what a lot of people did before triathlon became an NCAA sport for women's. Um, but kind of going into like my sophomore year, which is when, you know, um, high school athletes start to look at schools for sports if they're interested. And my coaches were like, hey, like, there's some, like, good schools coming out. Like, you should go kind of take a look and, um, you know, see if you like the coaches and see if you like the program. And maybe you could swim, too, at some of these schools. And um, when USD popped up my senior year, actually, so they were, like, you know, almost – I almost didn't even look at them because they popped up so late for me in my recruiting game. And I was like, you know what, like, D1 sounds pretty cool. Let me go check it out. And and their swim team's really good, so I could be a part of that too. And so I went and met um, Kyle Joplin, which he had literally got to campus a week before my visit there. So it was kind of funny. He was kind of like trying to show me around. He's like, I don't really know where everything is yet. So, um, but we really worked together on that. And um, I just loved the school. I loved the atm atmosphere there. And um, I was like, this, you know what? I think triathlon will be really good for me to do in college. And um, I was very lucky to get to swim as well there because, you know, it's been such a big part of my um, story for triathlon that I really wanted to continue to do both. So, I mean, come on. I'm not the only one that thinks triathlon in the state of South Dakota feels a little bit weird. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you looked at that knowing it was going to be quite an interesting, um, interesting challenge for, uh, right. for, for your development. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, the way I see it is like, I think, you know, USD adding triathlon as a woman's sport was kind of a leap for them and a, a, they're kind of taking a chance there and I was doing the same. So I think it kind of went both ways. And I'm so glad that we both took those leaps and it just worked out really, really well. A lot of the conversations that we've had regarding uh, Title IX and this 50-year celebration are people who were maybe around playing sports when the law was first signed, or when, when the uh, Title IX was signed into law, right, about 50 years ago, mm -hmm. um, and, and the impact that it had. But triathlon as an emerging sport being added, schools adding it for essentially Title IX purposes to continue to give uh, female student-athletes more and more opportunities, it's still impacting us uh, today. How do you view that, just Title IX and the impact that it had for you and, and maybe gave you a, a different path in college than what you would have taken if, if triathlon was never an emerging sport? Yeah, well, like I said, I think we definitely, you know, I think both me and USD, the athletic department, everyone definitely took a chance and a leap with that because, you know, at the time we didn't really know what was going to happen with NCAA triathlon, if it was going to grow or if it was going to die off or what was going to happen with it. Um, and I, so I think it definitely changed, you know, my college experience and my life as well, because I would have ended up probably running or swimming somewhere and 
triathlon is definitely my like number one passion as far as sports go. So to be able to do that, um, as well as getting a good education at USD was just life changing for me. How do you uh, describe maybe the growth of triathlon as a sport? Just in your lifetime, we're talking, we're talking since you got involved <laughs> with it in 2014, 2013, around that time. I mean, the growth of triathlon, yeah. how do you describe that? Yeah. So when I got involved with it, I mean, I didn't even know that there was such a thing as draft legal, you know, triathlon where, you know, high schoolers got together to race against each other. Like, I just kind of thought it was like, there's an age group side of it that you don't draft on the bike and, um, you just all go at once, you know, you go with the six year old men as like a 14 year old girl. So it just, you know, it's a different atmosphere. And so looking at it from when I started as a, I think I was like 14 years old, freshman in high school. Um, it was small. Like this is sometimes can be like 40 girls. And now like races are capping out at like 80 or hundred or however they, you know, cap them nowadays. And even within NCAA triathlon, they're, sometimes are a hundred girls in a race and it's just crazy to see how far it's come. And I think, especially for me, the reason I kind of went into it is I was always good at swimming and good at running, but I was like, I kind of want to take myself one step further and see if there's something I'm going to be really, really great at. And that's what triathlon does for people is, you know, people can be mediocre and swimming and running. And if they pick up the bike, you know, they can be really, really good. So um, I think it definitely is changing a lot of girls' lives in that way. You talked about, um, you know, being in that first recruiting class and being here when even the coach Kyle Joplin didn't even know where everything was yet. And you all had mm -hmm. to navigate that kind of together. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you were part of literally the building blocks of the program from from the very beginning. Um, was that a draw to you to be a part of something that was brand new? I mean, there are challenges that certainly can come with that. Um, but what did that mean to you to be a part of, of something that was, was brand new at the University of South Dakota? Yeah, you know, it was definitely nerve wracking for kind of my recruiting time and the first few months of freshman year. And I think the hardest part for me was um, there was only five people on our team my freshman year, three freshmen, Peyton Riz and Sammy Whitting from Australia and Canada. Um, and then there was two fifth years, which Kyle was able to get from other teams, um, Brooke Benish from cross country track and then Kat Jeffer from the swim team. And so I think having those fifth years on the team were so, so helpful because, you know, they knew the ropes, ropes even better than Kyle because they had been there for five years already. And so I think, you know, the five of us plus Kyle and our assistant coach really work together in order to like create the team and, um, you know, recruit new girls and everything. So um, it was definitely nerve wracking at first, but like looking back, it's really cool that I was able to kind of help build the team up and build the program up. So not only were you in the first recruiting class and you were in the building blocks, but you were the program's first all-American, uh, part of back-to-back -back <laughs> national runner-up title teams uh, in, the, in the program's first couple of years. How do you look back at that? And th what did that mean <laughs> to you and, and all of your work? And it, it obviously paid off. Yeah, no, that was really, really cool for me. Um, and something I didn't really expect to ever happen. I'm still kind of shocked to this day of my performance um, at that nationals, but also looking back, like I did all the hard work, you know, Kyle gave me the hard workouts to do and, and I did them along with my teammates and I had really 
great teammates to push me to that point as well. Um, yeah, it, it was pretty special to be, be able to, uh, stand up on that podium that day. So I, I know you talked about, um, also swimming at USD and, and some of your mm-hmm. teammates were also in uh, track and field, I think a little bit, and there's cross yep. country, there's all this crossover. How do, how do these sports, how are they able to mesh together, uh, with a little bit of crossover? <laughs> Yeah, you know, surprisingly well, actually. And that's another thing I really enjoyed about my time at USD is that I was kind of able to be on two very different teams, like the triathlon team being, you know, max 12, 13 girls versus the swim team, which is not only girls, but also boys. And, you know, they are a huge team on campus. So it was really good for me to be able to kind of switch, switch roles a little bit, switch over from the small team atmosphere, only women's to training with boys sometimes and having a lot more people to train with. So it was definitely a good um, crossover and um, us also being able to run like with the cross team and everything. I think it was good for the team because sometimes small teams can, you know, you get really, really close as a small team and sometimes almost too close. So I think it was really good for us to kind of get to branch out for a few months of the year and all kind of do our different things you know some girls would do cross country or track and um, some girls would do swims so so that was really special as well. Triathlon is expected to be the next NCAA sport championship sport Uh, it might be a couple of years yet but they're closing in on uh, making this a reality they finally have the number of teams around the country and then they have a a couple year waiting period it is coming and it, it will be it will continue to grow. And you've seen other schools add it, right, over the last several years. What do you see as the future of the sport of, of triathlon and how it can continue to um, be an opportunity for individuals and just be a, a sport that grows? Yeah, you know, I think it's been a long time coming. We've kind of been hanging around, even when I was recruited my freshman year, I think that we're maybe already up to over 30 schools or around there. So I think that we were hanging in like 35 to 40 range for a really long time. And so to see us finally hit the 40 schools and kind of start to flow over that um, is really cool to see that it's actually, you know, growing from when I started triathlon at the age of 14 to now Um, to see that the sport is still growing, especially with like young girls and young boys, just amazing to see. And I think that in within an NCAA, it's going to blow up because, like I said, those girls that are, you know, good at both swimming and running or maybe biking and running or whatever, they're, they're going to be great at triathlon. And so for that opportunity to show itself to young girls is, is really good. And I think that NCAA triathlon women's is going to, going to keep kind of exploding over that 40 mark. And um, hopefully we'll keep adding like D1 schools and D2 schools. Because I know for a while it was mostly a D3 um, sport. Like there was, I don't know, three or four, maybe five D1 schools my freshman year. And now they've added like TCU and um, they keep, they added San Fran a couple years ago. So a lot of these schools are noticing that it's kind of more of an exploding sport and they're kind of picking that up. So it's really cool to see. All right. How about for you? Do you continue triathlon in your life as you get into the the working world? Any Ironman challenges coming up or anything cool like that? So right now, all for fun, kind of taking this next year as like a fun year. You know, I'm working, but I did travel a little bit this summer. Um, I did sign up for a half marathon in November. So I'm doing that with a friend just for fun. 
Um, but me and um, one of the girls in the team, Tessa Brennan, she's like, when I graduate, like, we should do a half, half Ironman together, like, and some of our old teammates from club. And I'm like, oh, I totally do that. So we're thinking about training for that after she graduates because she's a year younger than me. And I know at some point I'll probably get a little more serious with it, maybe, like, after hopefully med school and everything. So, um, but, yeah, I'm definitely focused on my career right now. Um, but I would, I, I know that I'll do triathlon in some way or the other for probably the rest of my life, which they do say it's a, it's a lifelong sport. So that's really cool as well. You're an athlete. Don't act like you're going to do a competition <laughs> just for fun. When you get out there, the competitive genes are going to flow. <laughs> I know they always do. It's hard to push them back, but we'll see. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious. How do you think, um, you know, being a part of, of this building of the program and, and emerging sport and something brand new like that, how do you think you can take that experience as, as you work into um, med school and, and your future and try to use, you know, knocking down barriers, knocking down doors and some of that, that, that newness that you experienced at USD? How can you use that in your professional life and, and hopefully uh, build your medical career? Yeah, so, I, you know, I think a big thing is like the discipline of it. And, um, I was just recently writing my personal statements for med school, actually for my applications. And that's one thing I kind of pushed in it is like my discipline is it's there, you know, from, from being the first recruit on a team and having to like learn and grow with the program and with the team definitely taught me discipline. And like, you know, um, our practices would change because of pool times and, you know, the school is still trying to figure out how to get us into the pool at certain times and still get us, to the to the muck tea dinner on time by 7 p.m. when we were starting our swim at like 5:30. So um, things like that, I really was like, okay, I need to have my homework packed. I need to have my dinner or my lunch ready or whatever it is. I need to have my breakfast so I can eat it on the way to class in the morning and things like that. So I think it really, you know, shaped me as a person and shaped kind of my character with discipline and determination and things like that. Um, so I think just being able to kind of roll with the punches is such a huge thing um with any career really you know you just need to be able to especially in these times you need to be able to accept change so no doubt we're always accepting change it's hard for people <laughs> yep. to accept change but we're accepting exactly. change as we continue to uh, go through it leah thanks so much for the time really appreciate of your course. time and, and the conversation we're glad to have you you know as part of the usd fold and, and being in the building blocks of the triathlon program and a big part of of title nine and and all of that good stuff and i want to wish you well in your you know pursuit of medical school and and everything that you do and we can't wait to see uh what what life brings you thanks so much for the time Thank you, and thank you so much for having me. That's Leah Drenchenberg, a former student-athlete at USD, former triathlete, and the first All-American in program history at USD in triathlon. Big thanks to her for taking some time to join us here for this week's episode. South Dakota on the road this week as they travel to South Dakota State, coming off of a, a week off for the Yotes, and we're joined now by Josh Manchigaya. Josh, great to chat with you. First of all, thanks for the time. Uh, how are things going? Uh, how did how did the off week treat you? Uh, it was good. It was uh, good to get our bodies back, feeling good, kind of just uh, recuperate as a team. Um, you know, heading into this week. Um, it was just good to have a little bit of time off and then get back uh, refocused. So, 
You uh, made the unprecedented uh, transfer move from South Dakota State to USD, and it's interesting because you've been now you're about to play in this rivalry wearing the other uniform, and you've been a part of it on the other side. What's the feeling this week for you just personally as you obviously prepare and try to get USD a victory, but it's kind of a, a different feeling for you, I'm sure. Yeah, you know that's the like the main thing we're trying to we're trying to go in there and play our best football and win the game. Um, you know, I get, I understand it's kind of a unique a unique deal, but right now I'm trying to just prepare like I would for any other game. Um, you know, I'm sure once I once I get back up there and step into the stadium and all that, it'll be some some emotions, but just try to stay cool, stay level headed, and and play my best football up there. We're at a time where um, student athletes you know, transferring at a higher rate than, than ever before. And you're one of those guys, you ended up at USD. How does the transfer process work? Obviously you made a decision to um, play another year somewhere other than South Dakota state. How did that process work for you? Yeah. So I kind of just wanted to see what other opportunities I would have to play my last uh, season of eligibility. Um, And the transfer process is kind of, you know, it's wild. You'll have, a team talking to you one day and then they'll never talk to you ever again and you won't know why and that's kind of just how it goes so I was in the transfer portal for probably about three months and you know got this opportunity and um, you know like I said I know it's it's a little unique but it's kind of just came down to where I could still play a high level of football you know in this conference I'm familiar with um, and just and just compete on a on a team that's playing for the playoffs. Was there hesitation on your part thinking about going from South Dakota State to South Dakota if that was your offer, um, or did you look at, at USD's defense and think that you know, given your position at the safety spot, you might have an opportunity to contribute? Yeah, it's kind of kind of both. You know, I knew that um, you know it's a little different. Um, I made sure to talk to some people close to me and. And they were, you know, happy for me, happy for the opportunity I had. Um, and then, yeah, too, I, I mean, I noticed, uh, first of all, that the culture here has changed since I've been in college. Um, and the defense that they put together the last couple of years has been really solid. So that was, a, you know, something that definitely interested me. And and um, the coaches here, I can just tell that they, that they care a lot. They're passionate and they know what they're doing. So... When the USD coaches reached out to you and they started, you know, kind of formulating a game plan, this is kind of how you'll fit in. How, how did you feel that you would fit in? What did you feel like you would bring to to this defense? Yeah, just um, kind of experience, um, a level of leadership. I've been here before. I've played, you know, a lot of games and I've played a lot of these teams before. So kind of just, um, you know, experience level that, you know, I'm – the oldest guy on the team and kind of just the way that you go about things, the way that you, you know, approach every day. That's a big thing for me. USD's won two straight in this rivalry matchup. Of course, the teams didn't play in the 2020 spring due to uh, COVID issues, but 
They've both been here. USD hasn't gone to Brookings since 2018. Last year, obviously, a, a, a very, very highly talked about finish to that game with the Hail Mary from Carson Camp to Jeremiah Webb. You were on the disappointing end of that. What was your uh, perspective? What was your vantage point of, of just that whole situation? Start with you know Chris Oladokun rolling out, throwing the ball to the stands, some thinking maybe the game's over with, and then they put one second back on the clock. What was the mindset um you know yeah i'm they ran that play and and i've seen them run that play in practice plenty of times so i thought it was the right decision that um coach stig made that call they put one second back on the clock and and we practiced those hail mary situations before um but they're kind of just uh you know you can't really predict what's going to happen in it um but we're we're ready to go out there and you know stop that play and you know, it didn't work out that way. We were we were pretty shocked and and disappointed by it. Yeah. What was your positioning on the field like? What do you remember seeing as that play unfolded? Yeah, I just I remember um, the Carson threw the ball up, um, and we all kind of just jumped up all at once. And I didn't really get my hand on the ball, but I I've kind of felt the ball go behind me, and I didn't know if it you know had hit the ground or what had happened if it was still being bobbled and everything and um i just heard you know i heard the dome just start going crazy and then i knew like you know that that didn't go well (laughs) (laughs) what was your reaction immediately after that once you got up and realized oh my goodness they just pulled off this hail mary you know they're obviously usd storm of the field and you know your your teammates. You guys are just stunned. What was the feeling for you after that play? Yeah, kind of, kind of like we've said, um, just shocked, kind of speechless. You know, in the moment, especially, um, and then you know, just disappointed that we that we lost that game the way we did. Um, but we 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 had to you know refocus and move on after that. We had another game the next week against North Dakota and. Um, you know, at that point in the year, we still had goals of, you know, playoffs and going deep and going to the national championship that way. So, um, you know, disappointed in the moment. Um, but next day, that's just the nature of it. You just got to move on and, and focus on the things that you can get better at. You had a big spring for South Dakota State in that 2020 season, and they obviously went to the national championship, a disappointing loss at the very end of that game. You've been a part of playoff teams. How how much uh, does your experience, have you been able to kind of share that with what really is a young group in the secondary at USD and kind of get them hungry for not only just a playoff appearance, but to make a run in the playoffs? Yeah, really just to like – reassure them that like we can compete with you know any of these teams you saw it you know we we put together some really some good football at times against ndsu um we can just to you know let these guys know that we can compete and beat these teams um you know not to be intimidated by anyone and and kind of just go about our business and what we can be better at what we can focus on um those are kind of just important things that i focus on you talked about the week, and, and it's a little different for you, perspective. You won't know the emotions until you step back into the stadium and, and really understand it. But I, I know you spend enough time in the program. You've got to have some really good friends still on that football team. Uh, how has that kind of meshed into your week, just mentally getting yourself ready to 
be friends, but not on Saturday. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, we, we understand kind of, you know, what's coming. Um, I've talked to a few of the guys already, and they're just kind of excited, excited for the, the game. And, you know, from my perspective, I'm excited. Um, and I've, I've played against those guys before. So, you know, in a game-like setting, it'll probably be a little different. But um, it'll just – it'll be – It'll be cool. It'll be fun. I'm excited. Yeah, it's not just a just a casual friendship. I mean, you're uh, fairly recently, I think, married guy, and I'm sure they were a part of your big day a little bit. Yeah, yeah, there were a bunch of guys that were that were there for that, so that was good to kind of reunite with a lot of those guys that are you know I played with and that are you know still playing there. Um, a couple of them were you know groomsmen in my wedding, so it was. It's been good. It's been good. I've kept those friendships this whole time. So, You look at, at the USD defense right now, you said played some good football at times. At times there's been obviously some hiccups here or there, but what do you see out of this defense right now that can continue to get better and and uh, be part of this football team that, that really leads it? Yeah, yeah, we're – We've you know we've seen those those glimpses. Um, we're just trying to be more consistent. We're trying to put together like a complete game, and um, the bye week was good because we were really able to focus on um, things that we didn't do well through those first couple of games. So you know we've been working on those, and I think I think it'll be good. We're trying to work on just being more consistent and putting together a complete game. All right, well, we're looking forward to the game on Saturday. Enjoy the moment. I know it'll be a, kind of a different emotional type of setting for you, but uh, hopefully it'll be a, a fun Saturday. Thanks so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Yep, thank you. Appreciate it. Can't wait. That's Josh Manchigaya, and, of course, his story, very unique when it comes to uh, transferring from SDSU to USD and how uh, last, last year's game ended and now obviously hoping that he can get a win in this rivalry and uh, doing everything he can to do it uh, for USD coming up uh, this year. South Dakota back on the road this week. They'll take on South Dakota State. First trip to Brookings for the Oats in uh, quite some time, 2018, the last time South Dakota played at South Dakota State. And for a preview of the uh, Jackrabbits, we're joined by the voice of South Dakota State, Tyler Merriam. Tyler, first of all, uh, appreciate you taking some time. Great to great to chat with you. I know the, the season's been been uh, rocking and rolling here, but uh, now we get USD, SDSU again. And it's been a long time since we've been up there. It has. It's been uh, unique. And of course, everything about the pandemic of a couple of years ago was unique. And we're glad all that's behind us and, and back to some normal scene. looking forward to what should be a, a great crowd and a fun football game on Saturday. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's interesting just the time of year, right? We haven't had this matchup in October and probably uh, about forever. It's been a November <laughs> matchup, but it'll be interesting. Uh, cooler temperatures, but it's not November cold in Brookings uh, for for this week. So you look at that and that will be an interesting to see how that uh, impacts the crowd. Yeah, uh, I think when you go back to the last time the Coyotes were up here, you know, there was snow on the ground, and I remember the sun was shining, but it was cold. Uh, and so certainly this would be a different feel. It should be a, a very nice uh, early fall day is how it's playing out. And, and Jackrabbit Nation has really turned out for this football team so far. The, the average crowd is over 15,000 and three of the top 15 crowds in stadium history for the first three games. And, and they're expecting another uh, very good number coming up on Saturday. So we should have a, a really good crowd for the rivalry game. Yeah, it should be a fantastic atmosphere. You look at, at South Dakota State up to this point, and obviously uh, – 
uh, off to a tremendous start. Uh, tough, tough game in Iowa. Really ugly game, but uh, credit the defense for hanging in uh, everything that they were able to do. But this uh, this team, it really looks like it's leaned on that defense here in the early part of the season. Well, there's no question about it. The defense has not allowed 100 yards rushing to a team, not just a 100-yard rusher, but to an entire team all season long. That's the longest streak of consecutive games in Jackrabbit football history during the Division One level, at least. And so you're talking about five straight games. The defense has really been on point, and, and they've had a lot of interesting things thrown at them. You know, obviously with Iowa, it's pretty predictable. It's an FBS offense, but you kind of know what you're getting. Uh, with UC Davis, you're dealing with all these unique elements and trick plays and they're throwing unique wrinkles at you. You may not find a more athletic set of offensive weapons than Missouri State has. And then Western Illinois just brings some unique challenges as well. And so they've had a lot of things thrown their way, but they've been very, very good against the run. They have been susceptible to a big pass play now and again, but overall they've played very well. And again, they're going to have to be uh, that tough, tenacious defense. They're going to have to tackle well on Saturday against a guy like Travis Tice. You know, you look at the offensive side, and obviously uh, without having a guy like Tucker Kraft, that, that certainly factors into your offense. How about the quarterback, Mark Gronowski? I mean, obviously couldn't play last year due to the injury suffered in the national championship game in the in the COVID spring season. Uh, how has he come along, and has it been kind of a, uh, a work in progress, per se, to kind of get him back into the flow of what he was in that spring? Oh, it certainly has been. You know, they he was 100%. He could have gone through some things this past spring, but basically no reason to rush him. You know what he's capable of, so give him as much time to uh, recuperate as possible. And then he came out, and, and certainly Iowa's defense is very good. That was part of it. But he was a little tentative in that game and even a little tentative against UC Davis early. And there was a play late in the second half where there was a, a bad snap. He had to run back, pick it up, and kind of on the fly, like when we were kids on the playground make a play and he throws a touchdown pass on what looked like a broken play and everybody on that staff and within the team said from that moment on it was kind of like you could tell that a huge uh, huge anchor kind of came undone and he no longer was weighed down by some things and it was like okay this is what I was used to doing I didn't have to question my knee I wasn't overthinking things I'm just playing and since then, he's played really well. He was nearly perfect at Missouri State. I mean, he did everything he wanted to. Uh, wasn't quite as good last week against Western Illinois, but still was very effective. And, of course, the thing about him is he's a run-pass threat. And he's not that uh, running quarterback who's a 4-2-40 a that's just going to run by you. But he's physical. He finishes runs. And if you're in short yardage, he has no problem putting his head in. He's got three touchdown runs of one yard this year because he'll just take it and and use himself as a battering ram and doesn't care about that. Uh, but he certainly is a very talented young man, and he's got a charisma about him, a leadership about him. Everybody buys in. They look to him, and he has great respect from his teammates, and so that's a big reason why they've succeeded. You know, you talk about things, there's certain guys that have skills, but then there's that additional leadership quality and being a winner, and I think Gronowski definitely falls into that category. He certainly is a winner on the field. Well, speaking of battering ram, it's nice to have Isaiah Davis back for SDSU. <laughs> I mean, just a, a a big, tough runner, and I, I know it's a little different without the same one-two punch that he had a year ago without Pierre Strong Jr. alongside, mm -hmm. but still Isaiah Davis. I mean, what a, what a running back he's turned out to be. 
He is, and, and every time that uh, you talk about him, the folks in, in Missouri always bring up, how did he not end up at Missouri State? How was he not recruited by them, being a Joplin native? And I can't tell you the answer to that. But Davis is a tremendous talent. And one thing, uh, he obviously earned a lot of attention from his stiff arms in the national championship game against Sam Houston, was hurt so much a last fall. He's always been a good runner, but he's really picked up his ability to run in between the tackles. You know, he can get around the corner, he can throw the stiff arm, but he finishes runs a little more now. And it's very rare to see him go down for a loss. And and now he's become a better pass receiver as well. So he's the whole package. And he's somebody that wants to follow in the footsteps of the man you mentioned just a moment ago, Pierre Strong Jr. He wants to go to the next level and he wants to work on everything. I mean, he's worked with me on how to do interviews. I mean, that's just, that's kind of the nature of him. He wants to be the best at everything he does and improve on everything he does. And that's why he succeeded and continues to. And, and he's a huge part of this Jackrabbit offense because this is not a team. Again, it's, it's the complete opposite of USD. You know, they're going to huddle almost every play on offense. They're not going to snap the football before 20 seconds on virtually every play. Unless there's a one-off where they're trying to catch you off guard, they're going to take their time, run the clock, and run the football and it's just it's a it's a different mindset and and Davis is a huge part of that when you look at at the the offense obviously I'm sure part of their goal is to get things going in the passing game uh, because they still have those those weapons that can stretch the field there's no question yeah, it's it's a, a definitely a wide array of options. You have the Yankee twins, Jackson and Jaden, and then without crap, you still have Zach Hines, who was an All-American and a first-team All-League guy at tight end uh, back in the spring. And so you have a lot of different options out there. And Landon Wolf's been out the last couple weeks as well at wide receiver, so they've had to go to some different bodies out there with Canyon Bauer, A.J. Coons, uh, Devin Cole Jr. have all gotten some reps. But the thing about this group is, is – you know, it's just getting the ball in their hands. Granowski doesn't need to drop back and throw 45-yard bombs. It's getting the ball into the Yankees' hands and letting them make plays in space. They do that so well. And then Hines does a great job of attacking the middle of the field. And then the offense gives Zach Lujan, the offensive coordinator, a lot of credit. They find ways to put guys in positions. One play last week, Jackson Yankee lines up as a tight end. And Zach Hines is lined up as a wide receiver and they're running routes. And so they do a great job of finding mismatches and exploiting them. And then Gronowski knows where to put the football and he's very confident about that. So they feel really, really good about the weapons they have at the uh, tight end and wide receiver positions. You throw Davis in. Gronowski. I mean, the skill positions, they're as good as anybody in the nation. And then that's why they've had the success they've had. You know, go back to the defense. Obviously we've had a, 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 just a great list of quality linebackers at USD and SDSU and no different yeah. Adam Bach, the leader there uh, on that defensive uh, kind of that, that centerpiece of the defense. He is really, really good. Yeah. I think if you add up the second and third tacklers for the Jackrabbits combine their tackle numbers, they're still well behind Bach who's number one because he's just all over the field. Some of that's been some of the injuries the Jacks have had, but a lot of that's just Bach and he almost gets overlooked because he's just kind of always where he needs to be. And he's not flashy. He doesn't get up and celebrate a lot. He just makes plays. And he makes a variety of plays. In the Iowa game, uh, he literally just rips the ball out of a running back's hands as he's going to the ground. And then against Western Illinois, they run a jet sweep with a 5, 650-pound kid who can fly, and he's running horizontal to the line of scrimmage, and Bach from behind runs him down. 
And even the running back was surprised looking back like, who got me? That's not supposed to happen. Box just all over the field. He's a very smart uh, young man, uh, just does everything he's supposed to do, makes a ton of plays. And I go back to during the 2021 calendar year between spring and fall, he had over 200 tackles in 25 games during that calendar year. He's picked up where he's left off. And like you said, there's a, a, a long lineage of linebackers that have come through. Of course, Rosabome went on to the NFL the most recent. And when Box all said and done, his name is likely to be right up there with the rest of them. Yeah, no doubt about it. And it certainly gets some help with the guys in front of him. And I don't mean disrespect when I say this, but I think that Jackrabbit defensive line is, is better than I thought they were going to be this year. They have really played at a high level. Well, they were a huge reason why the the success of both the spring and the fall of last year occurred was that defensive line. But they lost a lot of seniors off that group. Now, they had Winkleman coming back at end and Sanders back at tackle, who both were first-team all-leaguers. Sanders is an All-American. I mean, Sanders, if he's a little bit bigger, is playing in the Big Ten. I mean, that's just how good he is. But the question was, how would some of those other pieces come together because you had so many seniors that graduated? And every time you turn around, here's Max Balloon, who's, who's Balloon, no pun intended. He's 6'6", he's up to 280, and he's running all over the field from Redfield and making plays. And and you just you have a lot of guys there, and they're so – Deep. And that's one thing they've really worked on the last two, three years. They're not going to play four, five, six guys. They're going to run out 10, 11, 12 on that D line and really try to stay fresh and, and give the offense some, some different looks. And that's particularly important with USD style of offense and the way that they play to run fresh bodies on the field. Now they have to have the opportunity to do that. And no doubt Bob Nielsen will scheme to try to limit those opportunities, but they're going to run a lot of guys out there and stay fresh. And, and they've done a tremendous job again, at getting to the quarterback without having to use gimmicks or having to blitz six and seven guys when you can get home with four and sit seven back in the pass game, you know, John, that makes things so much easier for a defense. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, they've shown certainly their abilities this year and you know it'll be a big test for USD's offensive line coming up this week. When you look at the football team right now, obviously they're still working to get better. Uh, they, have, they have the goal that they always have is going to the playoffs, go deep, go to a national championship game and go get that title. But you look at this team, what do you believe the, the strength and, and maybe the weaknesses of this team right now? Well, I think certainly the strength is is the defense as a whole, but I would say the front seven in particular has really played well. And this team has always been built, this program, on the strength of that front seven, and they're going to go as far as they'll take them. And so if they can win the battle of the line of scrimmage, and more times than not they have, I think you have to go there. They're really balanced on offense. I think that's a, a huge part of it. If you look at a weakness, you know, the, the kicking game has not been as strong as they would like. Uh, Dustman missed three field goals against Missouri State. One of those was blocked. Uh, he had a miss last weekend as well. They haven't been as precise as they typically have been. And so if you're thinking about a close game, and rumor has it there's been some close games in this rivalry, that uh, a play like that on special teams, not being able to convert a kick, could be a big deal. I think that's a concern. I mentioned it that the, the defense has been susceptible to a big play now and again. I think that the the defense feels incredibly confident that if they can force a team to go the length of the field and have to convert again and again, that they're not going to give up a lot of points. But if they get hit by that one big play, it's a totally different thing. And so they have to maintain uh, their assignments and not give in to that. 
And I think the other thing is they done a very good job of avoiding turnovers and winning the turnover battle. And that was huge in the Missouri State game. It was huge against Western Illinois. And that's something, too, that's been a, a big feather in their cap is that they haven't turned the ball over much. Gronowski threw two picks against UC Davis. And then since he kind of figured it out, and I mentioned that example, he's played flawlessly as far as taking care of the football. And that's going to be important again on Saturday. Yeah, I know how coaches kind of try to uh, uh, brush some of this stuff off, but USD's won two straight in the matchup. Last year's ended on that Hail Mary with one second remaining. H- how much of that do you think is motivating this group uh, in this particular week? Well, I, I think it is motivation. I, I do think, too, um, that some of this is – it's beyond just USD. I don't say that to downplay the rivalry. I say that from a standpoint of when you look back the last few years, SDSU has been able to play with anybody in the country. However, the Jacks have lost some games along the way. Look at last year, Southern Illinois, they're up 20 to nothing and didn't finish that game. Last year, certainly in Vermillion, you documented where the Jacks thought they had that game won. And for a moment, there were zeros on the clock, but they put the one second back on and we all know what happened. Those two games took SDSU from maybe being a top two seed to not being seeded and going on the road. And so they have to win their home games and they have to win games where they are favored. And this is a game where they will be favored. We know it's a rivalry game and we know all the, the, the catchphrases and the sayings of you throw the record books out and all these things. But this is a game that if you're going to be a potential top two seed, if you're going to be a team that plays for a national championship, you have to beat a team you're favored. You have to win on your home field. And that's really been the big talk. Yes, there is a rivalry as a part of it, too, and no doubt that, that people remember what happened last time. But I think because of how it happened, it doesn't really need to be talked about. Anybody who was down there remembers it, whether you were wearing red or blue. And when it was an unforgettable ending, John, you, you remember it for the rest of your life. So will I. We all will. So the focus really for this team has been, hey, we have to finish our opportunities. And if we do, then we feel like we'll be where we want to be at the end. But if you let one get away, then it's a, a totally different scenario come November. Yeah, no doubt. Well, we'll see if uh, things can can be down to the end again this week like they were uh, a year ago and see how things uh, play out on Saturday. How about this one? I always ask people this. I don't know if I've ever asked you this um, because we're so close in proximity, but for (laughs) fans who may be going to the game that maybe don't go for the tailgate festivities and some of that stuff, where would you recommend pregame pregame meal or uh, if they if they come in on Friday night and stay in Brookings however it may may be well, where where are the Tyler Merriam recommendations for a pregame meal well I'm so glad you asked John because as a valued member of the media as I know you yourself <laughs> are as well we know that the purpose of these road trips and these games are not to watch the student athletes play it's to find good food and if there happens to be a game we can cover as well then we'll do that but we gotta find good food on the road and you and i talk about this a lot uh if you're coming up to brookings uh cubby's sports bar and grill which uh you know again is is basically you know our version of the old lumber company uh in brookings vermilion i guess that's the simple equation i know they have a good working relationship with one another cubby's is awesome you get a lot of variety uh george's pizza and pizza king are two longtime brookings traditions for pizza if that's your route uh, but uh, certainly Cubbies is the place to go and it'll be rocking it always is on game day so you need to give yourself some time but you can't go wrong at Cubbies no doubt about it well Tyler look forward to seeing you on Saturday really excited uh, for this game and this matchup and uh, hopefully we can get ourselves a- another classic on hand really appreciate your time yeah, absolutely but always good to catch up and looking forward to seeing you on Saturday
That's Tyler Merriam, the play-by-play voice of South Dakota State. And on a personal note, we continue to uh, think about Tyler and, and his family. Last week, they welcomed a son into the world. Uh, very unexpected, born at 27 weeks and three days, measuring at 13 inches and one pound, 14 ounces. Uh, his wife, Jill, was discharged from the hospital, and uh, they continue to uh, monitor Wyatt Williams. So uh, send your, your love to Tyler and his family, if you will, during this time as they uh, you know continue to support uh, Wyatt William, their newest addition to their family. All right, that's going to about do it for us this week. I know it's been a longer episode, but I hope you enjoyed it. We covered a lot of different things throughout the course of this episode. Before we say goodbye, let's take a look at what's going on in uh, Coyote Athletics. Oh, by the way, the golf teams um, finished up tournaments this past week. The men's golf team was in seventh place at the Big O Classic in Elkhorn, Nebraska. and The women's golf team was in Tacoma, Washington. They finished in 14th place as a team coming up on thursday volleyball continues its summit league road trip they are in st paul minnesota they'll take on st thomas then on friday women's soccer's on the road they'll play at western illinois swimming and diving will take on minnesota state that will take place in mankato minnesota on Saturday, volleyball makes the journey to Western Illinois in Macomb for an early afternoon matchup. Softball will play at Augustana at a fall ball matchup. But, of course, there's the football game between USD and SDSU and Brookings. You can watch that game on Midco Sports, and you can hear it on the Coyote Sports Network as well. We're on the air at 1 o'clock Central Time to get you set up for game day. On Sunday, softball will be back home. We'll take on Northeast Community College. More fall ball action. Women's soccer will be in St. Paul as they take on St. Thomas in Summit League action. Men's golf team back in action on Monday and Tuesday. They will be in Wichita, Kansas at the Greer Jones Shocker Invitational. They'll compete again Monday and Tuesday. Two rounds on Monday and the third and final round on Tuesday. All right, that's what's going on in Coyote Athletics. Catch a game, match, or meet very, very soon. Go to goyotes.com for all of your ticket information. That's it for me. I'm John Thayer. Have a great weekend. Stay safe and go Yotes. Thanks for listening to YoteCast, the official podcast of the University of South Dakota Athletics. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation on the Coyote Sports Network. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.